What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Well, I'm coffeeed up. I'm doing hot tea. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, now I can't. <laughs> My fingers are slippery. I can't grab it. <laughs> That's my last sip. Of- last sip of coffee. Do you need more? Nah. You sure? No. Cold coffee's twice as bad as hot coffee. Okay. I'm assuming we're recording because Eric's not yep. in there, so. Mm-hmm. Probably. Um, good morning, everybody. It's uh, strange days, strange times. Ain't it the truth? I am... Uh, well, so Ken and I are we are we're practicing our social distancing. Um, he is on one side of the table, and mm-hmm. I am on the farthest corner I can be instead of directly across from him. Mm-hmm. So we we've got our minimum six foot distance there. We have our uh, disinfecting wipes here in the studios, and mm-hmm. I'm wiping down my hands, and we wipe down the microphones and the tables and the buttons. And I even brought in. Yeah, you air, brought air screens for new mic covers for us. Yeah, yeah, one for you and one for me. So yeah, so we are we're, we're doing our thing. That's right. We're doing our part, trying to make sure nobody else uh, gets sick or spreads it or any of that fun stuff. But we are still here. We're still in the studio, and we're still putting out hive jive episodes for you guys. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, hey, you know, there's uh, there's going to be a lot of free time on everybody's hands. So. Plenty of time to binge the season <laughs> and last. <Yeah. laughs> Go back and get some repeats in there. And you know what, Ken? Do you know uh, what is not affected by the coronavirus? Bees. That's right. Your honeybees. Yeah. Good answer, sir. Well, I figured that one out in a hurry because, uh, but uh, now I'm, I'm worried about, uh, I want to set a fifth of Jack Daniels out there beside my hive and see if they will mix the Jack Daniels and, and lemon juice <laughs> with the honey and then we can sell Jack Daniels infused lemon juice honey. Um, Hot toddy. How often have you seen anybody or anything that was highly intoxicated be productive? Well, I guess that's right. <laughs> why? Why ain't my bees doing what they're supposed to? They're all drunk. They're drunk. <laughs> they're under a shade tree out there. <laughs> yeah, chilling. Queen sitting there says, "What the hell is the matter with my workers?" <laughs> yeah, maybe. Or she's kicked back in their fan in her, and oh, yeah, that could she's be saying, "Bring me more royal jelly." Yeah, that's it too. And yeah. a shot of that whiskey. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, we won't do that then. But that I mean that is that's a that's the great point though is that the bees are not affected. No. It is springtime officially, quote unquote, by the calendar here in the United and we're States. It's rain here in Texas. And it is. It's it rained uh yesterday and it's raining today. It's supposed to rain uh, Again it, today. yeah, this afternoon it's supposed to get pretty that. heavy. And then we've got a little bit tomorrow. And then after that, it kind of it raises back up. Our temperatures go back up at like uh, seventy five, I think, for tomorrow, and then eighties on Monday. Yeah, and maybe nineties by Tuesday and Wednesday. Well, we don't want that. But uh, now, <laughs> now white brush out of our country is it's all green, and it's going to be blooming, and the bees are going to go crazy here before long. Yeah, bee brush is going to go blooming, and it's going to get good. Lots of people are. Uh, well, the bees, okay, so in, in all the areas, the bees are kind of starting to wake up. Even up in some of the northern states, your bees are starting to slowly but surely ramp up their brood production and get things going. Some of our northern states are still having uh, a bit of whiplash when it comes to seasons. It's like Jacob was telling us last week. He, you know, it was a beautiful couple of weeks where it was very spring like weather and mm-hmm. everybody was getting used to it. And then all of a sudden, temperatures dropped and they had a snowstorm. And then that, mm-hmm. uh, I guess it was one day at the end of this last week, he had reached out to us again, and he had said that it was starting off, The uh, he was driving in severe thunderstorms, and then that night they were supposed to have a freeze. <laughs> so yeah. he's like, it can't make up its mind what it's doing. But the bees are, they're active, they're awake, they're alert, they're, you know, a lot of our colonies are literally bursting at the seams. Yeah, they're, mine are. They're doing good, which means if you guys find yourselves with a lot of time on your hands and nothing else to do, get out there and check your bees. Or, you know what, even if you're just feeling stressed out, go sit and watch your bees and listen to your bees. It, it kind of provides a sense of zen and peace and calming 
If you're stuck at home and your kids are out of school and uh, they need something to do, they don't want to be cooped up in the house either. So put them in a bee suit, take them out there, you know, show them the the wonder of the hive and all the amazing things that the bees can do. And, you know, heck, put them to work. (laughs) It's a shame this ain't happening in the fall when it's when it's harvest time. Well, yeah. Well, late (laughs) for us, harvest time is um, like deep summer. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it would, you know, there's still plenty to do in the spring, though, even though it's not harvest time. You've got splits to make. You've got frames to add any last minute painting or anything that needs done on the boxes. Like the kids could have a lot of fun out there Mm -hmm. doing arts and crafts on your boxes. They could learn a lot of science and education and animal behaviorism, you know, going out and helping with the bees and learn about the life cycles of the bees. So there's plenty of opportunities to go out and to to get things done. Um, So you're tagging your your bee boxes? You mean like graffiti? Yeah, you tag your bee boxes? <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I, I've not actually had to paint a box because mom, mom gets them done before I, I ever know. get there. Did you put the one with the mouth? Uh-oh. I did. We put a split into it. Yeah, um, there's some. They're they're not very nice bees um, that we put in there. They are. They're ones that came from. So on top of the hotel, we've got mm-hmm. the blue hive with the the floral painting and the mm-hmm. the bees on it. And then painted bees, not you know, obviously it's got real bees on it too. But and then we've got the cypress hive, and the cypress hive, they're not friendly like at all, and they do great. Like it, they you know you can get up there and I can they're stand up there without got my veil a on. Queen in there, red-headed mutt queen. Well, that's that's what I was considering must have been the problem, yeah. Because I I mean I can be up on the roof, I won't have my veil on, I'll get all my stuff set up and prepped, and I'm walking right in front of the colonies and I don't have any issues. But as soon as you open that sucker up, it's on. And I can open up the blue one, which is huge. And it's carniolan. I felt like I was gonna hiccup. Um yeah, they were both supposed to be carniolans. And they were um they were carniolans from up right, north. Right. So they, they shouldn't have any Africanized genetics. It shouldn't be anything like that temperament wise. But Blue Colony's going crazy. They've got four boxes chocked full of brood everywhere. They've been drawing out comb like crazy, and they're doing great. And I open them up, and there are bees everywhere. But as soon as I close the hive back up, they all go back in the hive, and they're just gone. Mm -hmm. Well, that Cypress Hive, there we go. They come out and say... (laughs) Hey, John, hive, man. we're going to get to know each other you, a little better. You open that sucker up, and they are not happy about it. And then they follow me back up the ledge, across the entire roof, down the <laughs> other side, and onto the parking lot. <laughs> like, they're not very pleasant, which is, that is actually definitely something to keep in mind, because when I'm managing the colonies, I have to make sure that there's not anybody outside on oh, yeah. any of the patios or down, because if the bees get pissed off, I don't want them going down to the restaurant, you know, things like that, and, and going after people, so... I have to keep that in mind. But now, luckily, unluckily, but luckily, uh, there's not really anybody at the hotel anymore. No, so yeah, what's going on? So luckily, when I did this last one, there was there wasn't anybody to worry about. Um, So it was it was pretty pretty straightforward on that. But they're not happy, and I've uh, I've given it some thought. Because the bar closed. (laughs) The restaurant and the bar closed. They're upset. (laughs) So. You know, you and I were talking uh, here one of the one of these days last week about them and, and how their attitude and stuff was. And I was telling you, I was like, well, the only thing I could think of is that, you know, they were out at the main apiary. Mm-hmm. They got requeened. Mm-hmm. They could have offed her and raised a new queen and I didn't catch it. I didn't see the hidden little queen cell somewhere or something mm-hmm. like that. So they killed the queen, potentially, this is all hypothetical speaking, killed the queen that I put in there, raised their own queen, and then she went out and she mated, and it would make a lot more sense because they definitely act way more like the feral bees east of 35 than they do like the carniolans that are in all the other colonies. So it would make sense that they they could have snuck a a requeening in there on me before I got them up on the roof, before they ever made it that far. And that would explain their pissy attitude the little colony that me and max got out of the water meter box yeah your first removal our first removal uh still hadn't found the queen in there but there's brood in the, in there they've made another instead of we got five combs in there now and it's in a top bar you know we we did the the rescue bars that mm-hmm. you showed max out of two and he went and found that on your video somewhere yeah. on instagram yeah it's on the Wicked Bee Removal Instagram. Yep. There's a video there. And then for our, our patrons that are paying for the Bee Academy, um, that it's out there on that video as well. 
and but he uh he went and, and built the rescue bar like that and he built five of them and we didn't know how many frank how many how many combs is going to be in when we opened the box and it was four so we put that on there and then and uh he told me the other day he says dad they've already made another comb and there's brood and she says she's laying in a good pattern says this looks like a good queen i'm sitting there and you didn't find her no i didn't find her i says she's a little skinny queen then <laughs> maybe <laughs> but uh, he says and and those bees have a little bit of an attitude uh-huh and uh, yeah they're a feral colony and you said of course well they lived underground so yeah they're going to have an attitude yeah of course they are they they chose a nest site that is smaller and underground which is very indicative of those africanized genetics but um now tell about how he thought they were getting robbed yeah, he thought they were getting robbed, and because he, when he opened them up, he saw little bits of wax down on the bottom of the hive of the of the top bar. So he thought, well, they're getting robbed. I says, what's well, getting robbed? I said, there's no honey in that comb. <laughs> there's no food there's in there. There's no food in there. Nobody's <laughs> going to be messing with it. So I figured it's just where they were cleaning it up, uh, where we cut the comb mm-hmm. out and put it on the rescue bars. And he said, they've already built another comb. They've put up, uh, they're liking the, the top bar hive because they've already, they're putting up pollen now. And they are... Uh, he says there is a little patch of honey that's got brood, cat brood in there. And he says there's a lot more bees in there than what there was when we put them in there. And I told him to put, you know, you gave us a piece of comb that we could use in there as a attractant uh, for a swarm attractant. And I says, well, put that on a top bar uh, rescue and, and stick it in there. And Because you know, after talking to John, I called John. I said, would they use that? Oh, yeah, they'll use it. I says, well, that'll give us, if she fills that up, that's an extra three or 4,000 bees. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll get them big in a hurry. Yeah, it'll, it'll definitely give them a jump start for sure. So, and then they and don't then, have to use the resources to draw out that wax. Now, i got to ask you something. You told, you know, we were, we, when you told us to put, uh, just the sugar in the boxes in the in the in the feeders and just feeding them sugar we started that oh first january and now i've taken all the sugar out and i have made uh, syrup out of that a one-to-one syrup and i'm putting syrup in there and then they are hitting that like a bunch of drunks hitting the, <laughs> the, hitting wow. the uh that's gonna kick kick brood start i mean that's gonna kick that wide open yeah and it's they, supposed to and now well ask them i ask you this uh up north people are probably doing the same thing should we be well yeah it's still cold up there should we be putting uh honeybee healthy or something in there with that to help the brood that is all really um, up to the beekeeper. It's up to the beekeeper, okay. yeah, exactly. Because what what you end up doing, the honeybee healthy is, you know, that is a specific brand name. Um, There's several different things out there on the market that are all the same concept, but they're they're designed to both be an attractant to to stimulate the feeding so that they take the food quicker. But also, there's supposed to be pieces in there that help the bees and kind of... It's supposed to go through and be like the the stimulant and the attractant, help them take the food faster. But it's also supposed to have, you know, a little bit of like nutrient quality to it so that it's not just sugar, so that it adds some of those other things back in there. But that's why, like, when I make a lot of stuff, and I pretty much do it year round, mm-hmm. but I put in the pre and probiotics that are specifically designed for bees. I put in electrolytes. And so you get a little bit of that back in there too. Pour so pickle there, juice in there? No. <laughs> oh, that's my electrolytes. No, I get the electrolytes at the feed store. That's actually oh, okay. the liquid, uh, the yellow liquid electrolytes. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm, I'm not putting tons of stuff in there. So I'm making like a five gallon bucket full at a time, mm-hmm. and I'm putting in maybe two capfuls of the electrolytes into that five gallon bucket. Not a lot. And then about four scoops go into the. Um, Four scoops of the probiotic powder go into the actual mixture as well. And then sometimes, I'm not consistent on this last part, but sometimes I'll do a capful, just a single capful of the apple cider vinegar, and that's all to five gallons. 
and then I mix that all up, make my one-to-one solution, and go out and I feed the bees with it. So they're getting a little bit of the nutrition. They're getting the prebiotics, probiotics, kind of helping them out as they go along. Um, you can do the honeybee healthy. The springtime is, is a great time to do that because you want to raise good, solid, quality brood right. that's healthy and everything. So you can definitely put some of that stuff in there. Don't go crazy on it, though. Um, you know, Make sure to read the directions, follow the directions. And, and a lot of times, this is not one of those scenarios where if... Um, you know, a little bit is good, then a lot is better because you could, you could OD. He's talking them. to me now, by the way. <laughs> you could go overboard on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you want to go through and you want to have it, have it set up and do that. But yeah, you can absolutely do that. Now, the, the thing that you mentioned though, about the states up north, places that are still in cold temperatures, just as a reminder to everybody, feed your solid sugars up until your daytime temperatures, your average daytime temperatures mm-hmm. are going to be 60 degrees or above. Mm-hmm. Once you get to that 60 degrees or above, then you can switch over to the liquid. But it's the ca- same concept as when we were going into winter. You stop feeding when it gets to 60 degrees or below. Coming into spring, you don't start feeding that until you get into that other part. And that's mainly because, again, it's going to add a lot of extra moisture to the colony, which could cause condensation. If you have these cold snaps, that's going to be potentially bad all of a sudden if there's all this extra liquid in there with them. And it does stimulate brood production, which brood production then takes a lot more food. So if you were doing it just kind of willy-nilly and you went out there and you fed them two quarts, they ramp up their brood production and then you don't feed them for a month. Well, all of a sudden you've got a ton more bees in there and they didn't have any food except what you fed them. And now they're eating, you know, four or five times as much because there's that many more bees in there. And then they starve to death because there's not anything going. So it's definitely a once you start, you have to keep going as well. Mm -hmm. And again, just to remind everybody, you know, season one, when we talked about feeding your bees, only feed one quart at a time. I don't care if it is a five-gallon feeder that can hold five gallons of food. You only feed one quart at a time, two quarts maximum per week. And the whole point of that is in the spring, you never want to feed them enough that they actually make capped food stores. What you're wanting to do is feed them just enough to stimulate the, the nectar flow coming in so that they stimulate brood production, they raise a bunch of brood, and they can start drawing out wax and they can start filling out your supers and, and drawing out all your frames or drawing out your bars of comb. That's the whole point. You want to stimulate that, but you don't want to overfeed to the point where two things happen. One, they backfill all of the open cells with liquid, mm-hmm. which means now the queen has nowhere to lay, mm-hmm. and that's going to both do two potential things. One, your colony is going to start to shrink because there's no new brood being born, and two, they may potentially swarm on you, which in certain areas, it could be too early for them to swarm. So you don't want to do that. And then if they're backfilling and they're creating honey out of it and capping it, well, now you've got capped food stores that they may or may not open and use. And when it comes time to your honey harvest, you don't know what's capped sugar syrup and what's capped honey. So that's that's the reason that we say one quart a week, give it to them on Saturday or Sunday, check them on Wednesday. If the cells are all dry and empty, go ahead and give them a second quart. If they're not and they still got liquid in them, wait, you know, give them that full week. Uh, and, and then that's kind of how you you parcel that out and step it along to make sure that they grow and get big, but you're not overfeeding at the same time. So there are certain situations where that's a different kind of scenario. So it just really depends on what you're actually doing, what's going on. I know when uh, we put the solid sugar in, you know, you, you, you saw some of the hives. And then you also said, Ken, we need to put uh, formic acid in there. Yeah, we had a couple of colonies that were showing obvious signs of distressed disease, um, bad brood patterns, and they were not, they, they was, it was clearly something different with them mm-hmm. than all the rest of the colonies. And those were the ones we were like, okay, we're going to go ahead. We're going to treat these guys. We're going to feed these guys, yep. girls, gals, <laughs> bees, yep. and yeah, uh, gals. gals, and and get them up and get them going and, and make sure that everything is good with that. So that was the the plan with that and they've they've rebounded oh, yeah, and done a lot rebounded. better too oh yeah it's crazy in there and now i'm putting uh you know one-to-one sugar on them so uh once i open them up if i find there's still um sugar water in the comb then i need to just put a quart in there well no if there's still sugar water in the comb don't feed them don't feed them at don't all don't feed them at all okay let them let them burn through that so you you could stagger back and forth between your feeding every 5 days to 7 days to 14 days depending mm-hmm. on how quickly they're going through stuff but that also means what 
you have to be doing. You got to be doing it. You got to be checking them. You got to actually be reading the comb and, and learning what's inside there. Now, in this crazy world that we got right now, how are we going to keep enough sugar Ooh. around? Now, see, that is a very good question because I actually. It's we, hard to find stuff in the store. It is. It is. We've been going out People and we've been doing. Crazy. Don't go crazy out there. We'll we, sick my bees on you. We've been doing these little excursions um, at random times of the mm-hmm. day just to see what's in what stores. And we're going to quite a few different stores over the course of a week. But what we're specifically looking for are baking ingredients because we have a neighborhood bread drive thing going on where we're actually baking fresh breads and then putting them out there and it's just kind of an honor system people can come and take it if they need it if they want to donate you know whatever they can come by and do that um flour putting honey with your sugar with your bread no i thought about it and then i i did not do that um Bread's one thing, giving out, giving away the honey. Giving away the honey, no. yeah. I haven't made it that far yet. We'll you see know. how things change, but the uh, the ingredients though. So massive bags of flour, massive bags oh, yeah. of sugar. You can't find them, and containers of yeast are non-existent. Oh, you can't find them. So it's it's getting tricky. Um, I know you have a thought in there. I want to segue this into something. No, go ahead. I'm wait. Uh, you know, it's something that we're doing right now as we we've been, especially with people that's been following us and have got their bees, is they don't understand that they're coming up with a with a commodity that is very tradable. That's absolutely true. Um, the first probably two years of beekeeping, I learned the value of mm-hmm. barter and trade and it was kind of um it was twofold because i got my bees first and then i got chickens and unfortunately oh, you're, tra- you're trading eggs and eggs and, and honey and eggs honey. and honey right and so at the time my neighbors around me it started off as basically bribery right <laughs> you know i have chickens in the backyard there was no roosters but there were chickens and contrary to popular belief the rooster is not the only one that is loud uh, every hen, time one hen, of those hens lays yeah. an egg and she does the <laughs> egg song man they yeah. are loud and they go and go and go yeah. um so i had the chickens back there i had the bees back there and there were Basically, three houses that were butted up right against me because mm-hmm. it was a really strange shaped lot. And so I made sure that the neighbors on both sides and the one directly behind me were always in supply of honey and eggs whenever they needed them. <laughs> and that way they were always happy with me. They were always understanding if I did something wrong and made the bees mad, I could. we had a text chain mm-hmm. and I could text them and say, hey, bees are in a bad mood. I just accidentally hit a box, um, you know stay inside for the next hour and they would all be understanding and be like okay okay no problem you know as opposed to neighbors who are mad at you and and try to turn you in for things and stuff so Mm -hmm. it's um it's definitely to your advantage but then also i have done a lot of things too where i've gone off and done bee work and it might be like bees moved into a a, uh, an owl box Mm -hmm. in a tree Mm mm-hmm or somebody basically had a swarm trap. There were some properties that constantly had swarms, and so we put up a swarm trap there, and they would just call us whenever there were bees, and we'd come out there and get them. But then people would would give me things in exchange for it, and it would be, you know, after I didn't have the chickens anymore, um, eggs became a very valuable thing to me because I love that, that you know, fresh-raised, oh, fresh farm-fresh eggs. Yeah. And so some people would be like, oh, I've got chickens. Would you like a dozen eggs? And I'd be like, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and so we'll, we'll barter and trade between the things that people may need and not need. There's one lady that it drives her absolutely crazy. She had, she had a stroke, and she's not – she's gained – all of her mobility back except for from the elbow down on one arm. And so she can't really do a lot. She can't pick up and hold the bars right. and things like that. So I go out there and I do her management and everything for her, but I refuse to let her pay me. And so her her loophole around that is eggs and fermented or pickled goods. Because she likes to go through and make like kimchi or make like pickles and she'll have eggs. And so I'll go out there and I'll manage her colonies for her. And then she'll send me home with a massive jar of, of some sort of fresh homemade canned goods. You gotta get her to make uh uh salsa. Fermented salsa. Oh, like yeah. a kimchi salsa. You Interesting. Know, you cut up the onions and the potato and the potatoes, no. Uh <laughs> tomatoes and the the I think you ferment and a potato, you get vodka. And you and, and the cilantro <laughs> and you ferment all together. 
Oh, it's the best damn salsa I ever ate. I'm, I just did it because I thought, you know, that ought to be good. <laughs> and oh, when you taste it, you will say, oh, the, that that great re- Mexican food restaurant that you love. When you taste that salsa, you'll find out why it tastes like that. Interesting. It's been fermented. Interesting. Yeah. I would not have thought about that. So, you know, we're talking about things that were hard to find, right? Mm-hmm. Going out there and, and getting sugar and getting flour and things like that. Well, um, one of the other things that you and I kind of ran into and hadn't really thought about it either. So these are things that are going to change how we have to do our beekeeping and what we're what we're doing. We went, you you have packages on the way. Yeah, I got packages on the way right now. In theory. <laughs> They're somewhere. They're in transit. So... The I, I didn't really understand the, the logic behind this because most breeders, when they're going to mail you out packages and mail you out bees, they do it at the beginning part of the week mm-hmm. to ensure that if there are any hiccups or delays, it's still normal delivery yeah, days so that the bees will get there in time. Yeah. And this specific company decided to ship them on a Thursday. A Thursday. And so we were like, well, if it was overnight delivery or two-day delivery, they would get there Friday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. That's still okay, and they're still constantly moving. But instead, it's not, which means you've got – it's going through the, the United States yeah. Postal Service. They don't work on Sundays. And, they don't, and they're not doing it overnight either. No. It's just regular Yeah, it's just regular, regular, regular mail. Yeah. And they don't work on Sunday, which means mm-hmm. it's not going to be moving on Sunday. It's going to be sitting mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. And now, with all of this other stuff going on with, with the, you know, quarantines and mm-hmm. containment and social distancing and all that stuff, we had a package that was coming from Houston to Austin, which is a three-hour drive, three-and-a-half-hour, depending mm-hmm. on what side of town you're on, right? The package was put in the mail on the 13th, mm-hmm. and the mail system didn't even acknowledge the package until the 18th. And that's still at the same depot in the same town. It hadn't even left Houston to come to Austin yet because that's how slow things wow. are now. Yeah. They're also talking about, I heard this this horrible, nasty little rumor that Amazon is considering basically suspending all shipments that are not considered essential. I've heard that too. Yeah. And if that happens, that's going to suck as well. Yeah. So. And I didn't consider it until you and I started talking about your bees and then all this stuff came up and and like Kevin was telling me, hey, that one shipping, it's not going to be here for this long. And I'm like, oh, God, everybody's packages get mailed. Yeah. Most of them get mailed. Yep. So if they if you are getting a package in the mail, what is that going to do to our packages? Like, I would hope that the Postal Service would see that as it's the same thing as like shipping chicks. It's a live living creature, so therefore now, it the needs, hell out of it. You don't get them sitting. <laughs> it needs to keep moving, mm-hmm. and so you go through and you look at it from that perspective. You cross your fingers and you're like, well, hopefully because it is a package of bees, they're going to still try to get it here. Yeah, because they see it's bees. Yeah, because they're they're not in anything mm-hmm. hidden. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, I, I just I really hope for everybody out there that does have packages that this current situation and the mail and what's going on with the mail does not actually affect any of that. And it is able to still go through and make it to your home because if it doesn't, I mean, that's that's going to go right up there with the I can't find sugar to get to feed them. You know, it's it's going to be a, a challenge for all of us. It's going to be kind of the new ways of how we're going to have to do things. What about if it's too long? What do they do with the queen? Are they putting her with a with a candy stopper in there? Yeah, the queen's in a cage, and the cage has the candy plug, but it also has two corks, so the bees can't get to the candy okay. at all while okay. she's in the container. Okay, okay. okay. But your your problem is going to be those bees that get shook into a package. They're older bees, mm-hmm. and they're gonna there's going to be some die off just naturally, mm-hmm. right? If they get too cold or too hot, there can be massive die offs. And if wow. they run out of sugar in that can and they consume all the sugar, then again, there can be die-offs because they're going to starve. If they can't feed the queen, the queen could die. So there there could be some serious repercussions to this where the packages show up and you know they may need a lot of TLC and, and love and care to get them up and get them going. But at the same time, they could show up and they could be dead. And that would be even worse. And then... Now you're making me text the wife and call the post office if bees got there. But they're not. Oh, I mean, no. you're, you're tracking. We looked up yeah. the tracking. It left Atlanta. Oh, well, it was scanned in at Atlanta. It left Atlanta. Was, Last night. Yeah. 
and it just says in transit mm-hmm. to the next depot. I'll and it work. doesn't even list what the depot is. Usually it would say in transit to Austin or in transit yeah. to, you know, Houston or whatever, yeah. but it just says in transit to the next depot. So it's very vague and it doesn't list an estimated mm-hmm. delivery day or time. Mm-hmm. So my guess is Monday or Tuesday is the, the soonest it's going to be there, which mm-hmm. weather wise, that's a plus because we couldn't do anything today. Yeah, we don't on anyway. Wednesday. It's going to hit ninety degrees on Wednesday. Well, no, that's that's better than than well, today. Today's yeah. fifty. You, you don't want to mess with them today. It'd be too yeah. cold. So, it is uh, it is going to be a challenge. It's going to be tricky for sure. So we'll have two packages to talk about one of these days. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, well, we'll we may be talking will, about they didn't show up right. It, it, maybe if, if they all die, we'll mix them with chocolate. Have chocolate covered bees. <laughs> Chocolate covered bees. Chocolate covered. Well, you've eaten, you've heard of chocolate covered ants. I ain't never going to eat no chocolate covered ants. But chocolate <laughs> no? covered bees. Maybe we can get lamb's candy to handle chocolate covered bees. No, we ain't going to do that. But anyway, so but. I, I have I have a little funny here because we're talking about you know just temperatures and feeding mm-hmm. and random things like that uh, before we transition over here. Uh, we had Evan. Evan is a avid listener of ours, and Evan has his first hive of bees, mm-hmm. and they're coming out of their first winter, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was a random cold snap, and the bees, like a large chunk of the bees, did not make it because wow. they had started kind of brooding up and going through mm-hmm. stuff. They might not have had either not enough bees to keep the colony warm mm-hmm. or not enough food, but there was a, a large chunk of them that had kind of died off. Wow. And so he sent me this picture and it says, he said, the bees took a turn for the worst. We had a giant pile of dead ones from a giant cold snap that we had had that was completely unexpected. We lost a ton of bees. So I did what any logical beekeeper would do. Dot, dot, dot. And there's a picture of a beehive setting on a bedroom floor on top of the carpet with the, with the entrance closed and some paper underneath it to keep the droppings from coming out under it. And then he says, these are now called spare bedroom bees. <laughs> like you did with that That's exactly. The, that's uh-huh. what I told him. I responded and I was like, I've done that. Uh-huh. Um, I had one nuke this year that uh, it just wasn't doing good and, and it got really cold and there was a huge die off and but there was a few bees still alive and the queen was still alive. And so, like he said, I did what any logical beekeeper would do. <laughs> I packaged those suckers up, sealed them in, brought them inside the house and I put them out there in the mudroom. Yep, and made sure they had food, and and it took them about twenty four hours before they really you really started hearing activity and stuff in there, and then they were a buzzing, and then they you could see the food started draining out of there. They were going through and taking it, but they did, and they're actually doing great right now. They they had a slow start compared to everybody else because they had to really build up their numbers, but now they're they're up and going, and so you know it is. Uh, and, you know, his whole thing was, it, it's my only one. It's the only one I've got, and I don't want to go through and risk losing them. You know, yep. I can't can't have something happen to the girls. So yep. he went in there, and, and he kind of got that taken care of. So it's uh, it's a good thing. It uh, it definitely is is a positive for sure. But I just thought it was funny. Because yeah, I was like, yeah, I've done that. With, that's like Max, and, and he's been making swarm traps, and we got a whole pile of swarm traps, and and I told him, I said, well, you got, uh, I'm going to let you have all of my deep tin frame because I don't want to pick up all that weight. <laughs> and so I got all eight frame. And I says, he says, well, okay. Well, I got to get swarm traps so I can catch bees put in there. I'm sitting there, why don't you buy, why don't you just buy it? Packages. Same reason he didn't go buy those hives, Ken. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Max is frugal. Yeah, he's very frugal. <laughs> he's got, uh, yeah, he's got uh, three deeps, uh, nine or 12 mediums now. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure I'll be furnishing uh, full drawed out comb for the deeps. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's going to yeah, get a milk dad for whatever he yeah. can get. Yeah, so he'll he'll be raising he'll be making honey by this fall, and I'm sure Dad's uh, extractor. Well, I'll be working him. So there you go. There you go. That's uh, that's back to that barter and trade. Yep. You're uh, you're using the manual labor, and therefore he gets to reap some of the benefits of the equipment. Pretty much. Pretty much. I want to throw something out. I need to ask a question. Okay. 
uh, had a uh, and already me and you have already talked about it. I had a lady tell me that a Lyson L Y S O N extractor is very good. Is anybody using Lyson? Tell John. He'll get back to me. A 20 frame says very little vibration. Do they vibrate that much? Well, the, the, so like kind of what she was saying about some of the other ones out there, it's, they'll walk off, but it's all about the balance. So well, if you, what, yeah. it's just like a washing machine or a dryer. If it gets out of balance, it's definitely going to walk out of the room. Mm-hmm. But when you go through, um, you know, if you're, let's, let's say it's a four frame, right? Mm-hmm. Just to make it easy to understand this, your comb is going to go in in the shape of like an equal armed cross. And you're going to have, so if you say you pull out two combs that are fully capped, or two frames that are fully capped, put them opposite of each other. And then if you pull out two frames that are only half capped, which means they weigh less, put those opposite of each other. So you've got two heavy ones straight across from each other and two light ones straight across from each other so that it's heavy, light, heavy, light, right? When you turn that on and you're always supposed to ramp it up slowly and get it kind of going and let it level out and you keep going until you get up closer to that maximum speed, usually everything is fine. But Mm -hmm. if you don't do that, if you just you're just grabbing frames and you're putting them in there and you're not paying any attention to what order you're putting them in and you end up putting the two heavy ones side by side and the two light ones side by side well now you're off balance and every time it swings around that weight is pushing on that side of the the extractor and it will go thunk, 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 and it it will start walking if it's not bolted to the floor and so that's kind of what she's saying to that but you can alleviate that on the other ones by balancing it out now there have been times where me and another individual are basically on top of the extractor pushing said. it down, yeah. holding it down because it's it's a portable one and it's not bolted permanently to the floor. We mm-hmm. move it in and out of the room when we need it. And yeah, it, it was it was off balance and you've got to let it run long enough to throw some of that out of there. So but I mean if if it is if the hydraulic system or whatever shock and support system on on the license is actually better then hey, you know, more power to you. But I would not be able to answer that. Okay. Um I do have a correction to make, though, for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned this in passing on one of the other episodes where you were thinking, you know, you were talking about how many listeners, um, the the range of listeners that we have from the very beginner who is actually doesn't even have bees yet, but is just considering it, mm-hmm. all the way up to people that have, have had bees for quite oh, yeah. a while. So when you were doing that, you mentioned Conrad, and you said 17 years. Conrad started keeping bees when he was 17 years old. Oh, hey. so he's been keeping bees for a long time. And oh, I just yeah. made that sound like, Conrad, you're really old. Sorry. Um, that was not the intention. But the point was, you've been keeping bees for more than just 17 yeah. years. You've been keeping bees since you were 17 years old. Okay. So there was there's okay. a big swing okay. there. Okay. And, you know, that, that goes back to that. It's just amazing that mm-hmm. uh, people enjoy the show, find it entertaining, or find little kernels of knowledge in there, even people that have been keeping bees forever. Yeah. And the the cool thing about Conrad in that whole time frame is that that puts him over there kind of in that category of an individual who got to see beekeeping back in its heyday when it was easy when you could put bees in a box and leave them alone and they would do fine and then they saw the incursion of the Africanized bees and they saw the incursion of the Varroa mite and they saw all these things and the small hive beetles and like all these things that anybody getting into beekeeping today learns is that's just every day how it works these other beekeepers never had to deal with that. And so you'll hear sometimes somebody say, well, these aren't your dad's bees or these aren't your granddad's bees because we have so many other challenges now that we have to face. And that was one of the things that he had mentioned was that, you know, he's he's had to relearn how to keep bees in some instances because of some of these other challenges. And that's that's kind of what makes it interesting and, and challenging for him. So, but I just wanted to, to bring that up. Yeah. Um, oh, it's crazy with, uh, yeah, with, uh, you know, my brother, he told me he's, he's, you know, wanting to try to catch some bees. And he says, well, Dad, he'd just be out there. He saw my suit in the back of the truck. Well, Daddy never used suit. Yeah. Daddy never had to mess with Africanized bees. That's the way I told him. So, yeah. But, yeah. Let's see. I'm fixing to have 20, high, 20 colonies now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll see how shipping no, we'll, goes. <laughs> if shipping gets here. But, but with, with Max and the swarm traps and doing splits, and that was one of the things that you and I talked about uh, here just a day or two ago on regards to buying more bees or buying more things. And 
You've got eleven right now, and then I've got nine right now. You got, oh, so that's right. You got eleven coming. You have nine coming. right now. You have eleven coming. Eleven packages. And so you're going to be at that twenty mark. And say you want to get to forty. Well, in theory, next year, if they all make it through this winter fine, mm-hmm. and you come out a winner, and and you've only lost say maybe one or two hives maximum, if any. And they come out of winter fine, and then you go through and you do small splits, mm-hmm. and you you feed them and nurse them all the way up through it. <clears throat> you could literally double your colony count from twenty to forty just next year without buying a single thing. And with the boxes that we just bought, those four frame, oh, the nuke boxes. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be easy. Yeah, well, well, they're very. We're gonna. They're, putting putting stuff in it's easy. Yeah, yeah that's totally easy. Yeah, um, getting them, them to grow and 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 accept and all that that's going to be tricky. So yeah. like right now, um, well that's up to you. That's that's your job. That, I just feed them. <laughs> well, I had a thought there, but I'll I'll we'll, we'll talk about that thought on the uh, on the bonus episode this week. We'll we'll save that one. And I might even uh, the guy that has those. He wants me to come see him. So I'm sitting there. He's wanting to do some splits. No. No? No. No? No. You sure? Yes. Huh. Get boxes and I mean, if he's going to give you free bees, sure. But uh, if he's just trying to con you to come up there so you can buy more of his crap because he can't get rid of it yet, then no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I am going to get some uh, queen excluders and uh, telescoping tops and inner covers from him. Now... Uh, I was at the uh, at the old cafe down there where we were drinking coffee when we were all sitting, you know, social distance <laughs> apart, where we could, you know, we could still cuss each other pretty good. But uh, and uh, they, they said, "Can have your bees learned to play checker yet?" And I said, "What the hell are you talking about? Learn how to play checker?" One of them said, "Are, are they checkerboarding?" Uh, what the hell? My bees don't play checker. So what were they talking about? <laughs> That was a very inventive story. Your cafe's closed, dude. I know Austin, it is. Austin shut down all the bars and restaurants. I know. <laughs> okay, so checkerboarding. Um, checkerboarding is actually when you alternate your frames. So when you were asking me about, well, yeah, you should told you me do that? No, 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 no. But I told you in a specific place. But that's what that term means. Is when you're doing. Um, you're, you've got drawn comb that's being oh, used, yeah. I did and that you last put year. in yeah you put in a frame of yeah. undrawn comb yeah. in between that to let them draw that out. Mm-hmm. True checkerboarding is every other frame. You should not do that. Like it's used quote unquote sometimes as a swarm deterrent to keep them from swarming. I did that to a frame that you told me last week. One yes, but I'm talking literally every other frame, and that's not something that you should do at certain times of the year and it's not something you should really do drastically to your brood box you can checkerboard no, no, i was doing it to mediums yeah you can you can checkerboard the boxes yeah. above there um when you get them really up and going and getting get them moving you can do the boxes above it but you don't want to do your brood box that way so so checkerboarding is literally drawn comb empty mm-hmm. foundation mm-hmm. drawn comb empty foundation drawn comb empty foundation when you do that what you've actually done is you've invalidated their bee space and it kind of, especially if they're already in a growing mode where mm-hmm. they're drawing out comb, mm-hmm. it gives them something to focus on so they can go through there and they can pull that wax out and they can get it all nice and, and even again where they've got comb on every frame mm-hmm. and they've got their bee space back in there. If you do it in the brood box, you don't want to do it as drastic, but what you're doing is you would say, let's pretend it's a 10 frame box. Um, you would have... Two frames starting on one side, doesn't matter, left or right. You have two frames. On the third frame, you take it out and you put in an empty undrawn foundation. And then you've got two or three, mm-hmm. and then you take one out and you put in empty undrawn, undrawn foundation. And then you've got two more kind of thing. The whole point of that is... Making the young bees work. You're, yeah, you, you've messed up the brood nest yeah. and you have broken up the brood nest, but you didn't do it drastically. You still left at least two to three frames of drawn comb and brood back to back. So the bees can still go through and they can manage it the way that they should and they can keep it. uh, Basically, one bee standing on the surface of capped brood can heat or cool all of the cells around it and behind it if it's all in sync and and, in bee space like it should be. Mm -hmm. So that's why you don't want to do every other frame literally because you could actually hinder or hurt the colony. If you do it in the middle of summer when it's nice and hot, 
it's not as big of a deal because the brood can stay warmer. But if they have to warm the brood, if you're doing it early in the spring, it could be very detrimental. So you got to be careful with it. When we use checkerboarding, we actually use it in the the supers, basically. So we'll have our deep box, and we may put in, um, if your boxes are all the same size, you can also move things around checkerboard mm-hmm. as well. So you let's uh, let's pretend you've got two deep boxes. And you're just putting that second deep box on and you want the bees to move up into that other box. And since how your boxes and your frames are all the same size, meaning they're all deeps or they're all mediums, what you can do is find your brood nest. And the brood Mm -hmm. nest is always kind of in a sphere inside there, right? Mm -hmm. Hypothetical sphere Mm -hmm. sliced into sections. Mm -hmm. Find the outer edges of the brood nest, which means it's got some brood on it, but not the entire frame is full of brood. Mm -hmm. You're going to pull those two frames up put them together in the middle of the box above it mm-hmm. and then the empty frames that you're taking out to displace there go back down into those slots where you pulled the others out from and that will give a little bit of space in the brood nest where they have to draw out comb and it's going to kind of infuriate them because of where it's at and then in the box above it you've pulled brood up into that so it's in line with the brood below it which will encourage them to move up into that box and start drawing out that box now, if you have a deep and a medium combination, you can't do that because nope. the frames don't fit. They don't yeah. match. So you, you kind of run into a problem there. But but by doing these sorts of things, you're trying to distract the bees and keep them busy. Mm. Once the bees have emerged from the comb and they're about a week and a half old, they have two choices when it comes to excess sugar. They can make wax or they can make royal jelly. If they're not making wax, there's no new comb for the queen to expand into or for them to expand into, which means now we feel like we're getting full on room. So let's go ahead and turn that into royal jelly, which means they start making queen cells, which means they start drying out swarm cells and they get the queen to lay in there. And then, yeah, they they absolutely go into a swarm technique. So the, the concept of checkerboarding or giving the additional space is to go through and actually... Open up the brood nest a tiny bit. Don't go overkill on it, but open up the brood nest a little bit and keep the bees constantly going through and drawing out comb because if they're doing that, then they feel like keep them busy. it's right. That keeps them busy and it keeps using those resources to keep them from getting into that swarm merge. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the the concept there with that. Okay. One of the things that like you and I have done, which also works, and it, it's only going to work for somebody who has been beekeeping for at least a year to two years or more. Um, if you have empty drawn comb from last season that you extracted out mm-hmm. and then you stored it, you can put that back into play. So I went and I did a split um, from that mean hive. That's actually segues back to the, you asked me mm-hmm. which ones I put in the box mm-hmm. with the face on it. I did a split from them, from the Cypress Hive on top of the hotel that was not very friendly. And I took four frames of solid brood out of that colony. And I put two frames in each nuke. Mm-hmm. And then I give them one empty frame, well, one frame of drawn empty comb and one frame of just empty foundation for them to draw out. Put those over into the nuke, put feeders on them, right? No queen, mm-hmm. no no chance to raise a queen because I've got queen cells I'm going to put in there for them. Mm-hmm. Now, in the colony, instead of filling it with four empty undrawn frames, I gave them drawn comb because it immediately gives them the space. And it's the same concept of what we did for your, for your one colony that was honeybound mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. We two, took out the colonies. Yeah, we took out the, the four frames that mm-hmm. were solid honey and replaced them with empty. Yep comb that was already drawn out empty comb right because now the queen has space Mm -hmm. she can continue laying if she can continue laying then they don't feel like they're congested they've got plenty of space and and it'll go from there Um, the other thing that we should talk about for you guys is adding your boxes your boxes you want to follow a little bit of a concept and again if you have drawn comb, you can cheat. If you don't, you have to follow the same concept you followed in year one, which is make the bees fill out 80 to 90% of the box before you give them the next box. And then when you put that next box on there, you want them to fill out, meaning they're drawing out the comb. It doesn't mean it has to be full of things, food or brood or anything else, but they have to draw out the wax completely on 80 to 90% of all of the frames in that box before you give them the next one. Now, in complete contradiction to that, if you have drawn comb existing, mm-hmm. once your temperatures are warm enough that the bees are not going to lose all their heat and, and whatnot, you can go out there and you can give them a box of drawn comb and just put it on there. And as soon as they move up into it and start utilizing it, 
you can give them another box. So you could go and you could go like every two or three weeks giving the bees a box of drawn comb. Once you get into the peak nectar flow and things are seriously kicking off and your colony's exploding in size, you could walk out there and stick three boxes on top of it at once if it's all drawn comb because it gives them lots of space. It's all space that can immediately be utilized because it's drawn comb and it's right. empty. So the older bees are going to move up into that space, which keeps the main brood nest from being congested. And it allows the queen to move anywhere she wants to in that colony. So our our blue hive that's on top of the hotel mm-hmm. that's got the four boxes on it, all four of those boxes initially were drawn comb. We did one split out of that hive and replaced the, the frames that we took out of it with empty frames. And we did kind of the checkerboarding where it was up in the, the upper boxes. We now have like drawn comb, drawn comb, empty foundation, drawn comb, drawn comb, empty foundation. And we went all the way across like that. And they'll go up in there and they'll draw out that comb so it keeps them busy. But that queen has brood in every frame of every box in all four of those boxes. That colony is going to be a monster. It's just huge. And we can continue doing that because the more bees they have, the more space they can guard, the more foragers you're going to have bringing back food in. That's when you really have the opportunity to have amazing honey harvests is when you have this, like you cheated and bought all this comb. Mm -hmm. You have drawn comb. The comb itself has its own pheromone. It has its own scent signature. And that pheromone is actually like a hoarding pheromone. And so if they can sense and smell that there's a lot of drawn comb above them, then they will actually bring in even more. It encourages them to store even more. And that's where year three, year four, you've got all these resources, you've saved all your comb, Mm -hmm. you know, the commercial beekeepers that have all the comb and they keep it and it's all drawn out. That's how they can get some of these amazing honey harvests is because the bees weren't drawing out five boxes of comb. The bees were simply filling five boxes of comb with honey. And that's kind of one of those things that can actually help it out a lot. Now, some of my boxes are some of my frames where uh, wax moths, the lesser, have got in there and eat a lot, eat some of the the comb around, you know, there'll be a big pattern in the middle, but then on the outsides, they've eat some of it. The bees will clean that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll fill that out. As long as it wasn't, so the greater wax moth basically destroys everything. No. And and it's just, there's nothing left but spider webs. Mm Mm-mm. Well, I say spider webs, it's worm silk. Um, But the lesser wax moth basically burrows tunnels through there. And Mm -hmm. you'll see these little kind of spider webby looking tunnels that go through the comb, but they're not destroying the entire comb. Your bees Mm -hmm. will go and clean all that out and they will repair the comb where where needed. Burn. It's just on the sides where it's been eaten or something's eaten. I don't know. Oh, it could have been a mouse. Could be. If it's just the outer edges. Just the outer edges. Yeah, that could actually be a mouse up in there chewing on okay. stuff. Uh, and you'll if you see like actual chunks and debris on the mm, ground, yeah. that was a mouse. Yeah, if it they, is But they'll clean it up and fill that up. Yeah, they'll go through and they'll and that's kind of what they were doing when you guys cut the comb and put it into that other nuke mm-hmm. um, for the top bar. Mm-hmm. They go through and they clean up those edges, smooth them out and turn it back into a growing frame or a growing comb yep. instead of a a, right. a full comb, yeah. And that's what I figured too, but I wasn't going to tell my son that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it He's also. He's fighting. I said, there ain't no bees fighting. Yeah. Look at them. You got them, you got them shut off now. They just piled up outside. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. He sent me a couple of text messages with a picture, and he was like, is this robbing what's going on? And there was a lot of bees at the entrance. Yeah, they just piled but up. as you pointed out to him, um, he thought that it was robbing, so he closed the entrance down to basically one tiny slit. Yeah. And it was basically. Two bees could go in at the time. Yeah, I was going to say it was kind of a one-in, one-out mm-hmm. situation, and so as the foragers were coming back, you know, hot and heavy, ready to get in mm-hmm. there, they couldn't, mm-hmm. and it created a backlog, mm-hmm. and uh you know, he after he talked to you and then he talked to me and then he sat there for a little while and he watched him and he was like, oh, OK, yeah, there's no fighting. They're not yeah, grabbing each other fight. and rustling to the ground. So he he then realized it was all right. Yeah, <laughs> so he did. So, yeah, he hadn't opened it up yet. Maybe he is today. But yeah. Oops. Wasn't mine. <laughs> that was mine. <laughs> oh, OK. But uh, I said, I ain't got that noise. No. Nope. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's what's so fascinating about these things, about bees. Yeah. I mean, you see something, and well, what are they doing that for? I don't know because they want to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it is it is it, it's absolutely true. Um, one of our other listeners, David, has been sending me a lot of messages this last week because he had a colony 
initially and that colony tried to swarm or did swarm and you know he noticed them he noticed them bearding on the front of his colony last year and he was like hey this is kind of weird what's going on and then he had to go to work and by the time he got home they were gone and but see the thing is though that bearding itself is natural Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to go through and tell the difference between we're bearding because we're hot or bearding because we're congested or we're actually a swarm that's getting ready to leave kind of thing. And so he, you know, he, he learned from that experience, but he's also got a little bit of PTSD from that experience. And he had a new colony and they're doing great. And he went to go to work the other morning and it was in the morning and there was a small cluster of bees on the outside and he had a panic attack. (laughs) And so I sent him some pictures and some photos because I've got some colonies that they beard almost all year round. Mm -hmm. There's always bees hanging out the front of it. And yesterday it was raining all day long and there's a clump of bees on the outside of that colony. But when you go through the colony and you look, it's not terribly congested inside because they're hanging out outside Mm -hmm. and there's no queen cells. They're not attempting to swarm. There's no behavior like that. That's just what that colony does. And, you know, each colony is kind of its own way. Now, every colony, when it gets super hot and super humid, they're all going to beard because they need to relieve that congestion and and create airflow and cool it off. Yeah. But um, it just goes to show you that, like you said, you know, they they do some things. Sometimes we don't necessarily know why just because they want to. to. And you got to go through and try to figure out the common denominators and, and what it is that might be causing that. So. They're doing what they need, what the what a bee does. That's right. Do what a bee do. Yeah, that's it. Well, everybody, we will we will call <laughs> this one a wrap for today and get off here and uh, let you get back on with your social distancing and uh, home chores and homeschooling. And, <laughs> and like I said, if you got kids at home and they're out of school, take them out there, teach them about bees, get outside, go go take pictures of flowers, see how many bees you can find on different flowers, try to make some fun games out of it, make it educational. And uh, get out there, check your bees, make sure your bees are doing good. You've got all the time in the world at the moment, so go out there and learn something new and and experiment and try things. Get your bee work done. You don't have excuses now. So go out there and and keep it up and keep it busy. And you you guys, we will still be out here putting out new episodes for you, so we will basically we'll do whatever we've got to do um at the moment we're able to still do this but if it if it changes and you know you might have to hear us like we'll have a recorded phone call or something i don't know we'll we'll figure it out but anyhow the uh that's how it is for today so you guys be kind to each other out there and be conscious of what's going on know that your actions and decisions affect more than just you so be considerate of those around you and know that you know you may be a single individual who is in their prime of their life and don't think much of it but keep in mind that you know children that you come in contact may have grandparents that Mm -hmm. they come in contact with and you don't want to go through and potentially get anything or spread anything to anybody who may be less fortunate than you may not have as good of an immune system or you know may have any other types of compromises so just be considerate of those things and when you go shopping be considerate of those things as well you do not need 24 packs of toilet paper or 12 bags of sugar you know get what you need i need the sugar damn it (laughs) get what you need to make it through you know the the little bit of time mm-hmm. that uh, that you're going to have before you go to the store the next time. They mm-hmm. are still making stuff. They're still sending stuff out there. So just be kind, be considerate to everybody, and ultimately be safe. And send me some more more Jera Bombera sh- uh, honey because I <laughs> eat it all up on my biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because that's a priority right now. <laughs> that's the best honey I ever ate. <laughs> You know, I know you need to learn know, how to self control and ration, I'm, man. I'm supposed to say, and y'all be warm, be safe, and uh, keep the rubber side down and the shiny side up. And what else am I supposed? To say? I don't even know what that means. The rubber side down and the shiny side up. I don't know what that that's means. when you're driving. What's rubber side? The tires. Oh, the tires. <laughs> gotcha. Keep the rubber side down and the shiny side keep up. The tires on the road. That's the truck drivers yeah. talking keep there. The, you know, I'm, I'm sure Jacob and a few of those will appreciate that. <laughs> So, all right, there you go. Rubber side down, shiny side up, guys. That's it. That means you're staying safe. You're not rolled over anywhere on the highway. 
All right. Well, we'll be back with you guys. Uh, If you are a patron of the show, you can uh, hear another bonus episode that will be out this Thursday. And there's also all the other fun content and stuff out there. You do have a deeper dive episode that is on its way forthcoming here very quickly. And so those things will be out there. That is patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash hive jive. And feel free to go out there and check that out. Otherwise, for the rest of you, we will be talking to you guys on Monday. So be good. Be safe. Bye. Y'all be good. And we'll be talking packages for long. Mine. See y'all later. Bye, family. The show might be over for now, but the sting won't last long. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes Mondays of each month. Until then, behave yourselves.